As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show's Prospects to Pros. Hello and welcome to Prospects to Pros. I am your host, Nate Tice. We have another mock draft extravaganza. Really, just one person's mock draft, but it's a two-rounder, so double the fun. And that one person with a two-round mock draft is the Athletics' very own draft expert who is here to help me go over that, Dane Brugler. How are you doing today, Dane? I'm good. It's nice and chilly. Uh, it's, I think, a negative two out. The feels, uh, the feels like uh, here in uh, Warren, Ohio. So it is very, very chilly here. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people maybe stuck inside or uh, passing the time with this mock draft. A lot, lot of things, a lot of topics that we can go through with this. I got to enjoy my outdoor time. I usually have my espresso, my first espresso. This right now is my second espresso. My first espresso of the day, sitting outside, reading, catching up with stuff, doing a wordle sometimes if I, I feel like doing it. But now I got a fire pit, so it's even better. So the winners here, we do get winners here in Vegas, but it's more like 30s and 40s. It's not bad. It's just more like, ooh, a little chilly, a little blanket. That's it. So I did enjoy this morning's coffee with your mock draft, which was – like I said before, for the third time, a two-rounder, which I know is quite the exercise to do. So uh, let's let's dive into it. There's some names that we've seen. We have Caleb Williams on top to the Bears, Drake May, number two to Washington Commanders. And then there's four more quarterbacks in this two-round mock draft, several in the first round, a couple in the second round. We have three receivers in the top six. Uh, that's kind of the highlights, I would say, especially in the top 10. But it's very fun because it seems to me that you have a couple risers here, a couple guys that maybe are creeping up boards or creeping down boards, maybe even off the two-round mock. But starting with the quarterbacks because they're going to be the, the big name guys. Uh, said before, Williams is going to the Bears. You got May to Washington. But then you have Jane Daniels, the third quarterback off the board, going to the Falcons. When, Thinking on that, because I, I, I like that choice. I thought that was a very fun one. So I was just curious how it kind of what got you to there and maybe other quarterback landing spots that maybe you got to. It, well, and it's interesting because in order for Jaden Daniels to go to the Falcons, he has to get past the Patriots at three. He has right. to get past the Giants at six. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's always tough when you a, a team could potentially go in the direction of a quarterback, but you decide not to. Um, with the Patriots, we're at a kind of an interesting spot with their organization. Obviously, Bill Belichick no longer in charge. We're not quite sure 
what direction they're headed with how they view that roster and, and who's really in charge making the personnel decisions. Right. Um, there's a lot of unknown there. So me going with Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three to the Patriots instead of the quarterback, Jane Daniels, part of that is just lack of information at this point in the process. Part of that is they have an opportunity to take arguably the best player on their board instead of maybe reaching a little bit for the quarterback. And so uh, they go with Marvin Harrison Jr. And then with the Giants, uh, this is another team that I know they made the playoffs just a year ago, but it doesn't feel like they're a, a rookie quarterback away from really getting back in this thing. They need help multiple spots. The offensive line needs help. The pass rush needs help. They need more firepower uh, at the weapons, especially at wide receiver. Badly, how, how badly do they need a wide receiver, a true number one? Um, and they haven't had a thousand yard receiver since uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, so it's it's been a couple of years. And <laughs> it's been yeah, that's, right. Odell's been on like three different teams since then. <laughs> right, that, that was a lifetime ago. And so they're in a spot at number six. If you're the Giants, yeah. where you can possibly get one of these receivers, and I think we have to remember too. When you talk about a first-round pick, specifically a top-ten pick, this is an ownership decision more yes. than anything. And that's, especially when you talk a about a quarterback. Point to highlight, yes and, yes. and with the Giants, we know how they feel about Daniel Jones, the ownership. They love him. Um, now, I don't think they're married to him necessarily where it's you – know, all other options are off the table. Uh, Joe Schoen, uh, I mean, he has been looking at all these quarterbacks and just – we have evidence of him at these college football games throughout the fall – most of these uh, games that he's going to, they're big-time quarterbacks playing. So he has seen these guys. He's done the work on them. I still think at the end of the day, even with uh, Daniel Jones coming off the ACL injury, better chance they go with a top receiver or a different direction than they do with a quarterback. So long answer to get to Jay and Daniels. They're at eight to the Falcons. That's perfect, though. And I, but I think it's realistic. I think there's a it is. you know that is a realistic path to happen. And, and I mean, obviously, we have to preface all this with saying, hey, it's mid-January. Uh, yeah. We don't even know who the Falcons head coach is going to be. We don't know. There's so many dominoes that are going to fall here. Um, but with the Falcons, with that offense, it feels like a ready-to-go offense. Uh, yeah. It feels like a team that is not that far away. Uh, you look at what, what Desmond Ritter last year and all the turnovers. He accounted for 12 interceptions, 12 fumbles. Jane Daniels had four interceptions, three fumbles last year. Uh, he's a guy that takes care of the football. And mm -hmm. I think that when you look at the total skill set that he brings, I, I think the Falcons are going to be really interested. If they don't go Justin Fields, if they don't go a different direction right. uh, in, in the offseason, if they wait until the draft, Jane Daniels sure makes a lot of sense. It, it does. Uh, yeah, they're – there's a lot of teams with their quarterback situations, even ones that have one right now. It's I'm very curious. A lot of them feel at a crossroads. Obviously, the Falcons is more of an open road to determine that. But I thought it was just you know because when I did my most recent mock, I had a I think I had the quarterbacks going one, two, three, mm -hmm. and that's the thing with the Patriots is I could see them taking a tackle, I could see them taking a receiver, I could yeah. see them taking a quarterback. Like all of those make sense. They have options there, but are they if they are not committed to a guy, it could cause a whole lot of. A lot of things because somebody's going to like Daniels. I really think that. Then I think the most popular pairing in the top 10 for everyone's mock and the one that makes the most sense for everybody involved is Joe Alt 
going to the Tennessee Titans. Right. <laughs> I think I think that's like okay, yeah, done. I think you're even your line on it was like one sentence. You're just like yeah, this, this, I, got, I got nothing else to add here. That, uh, it was two sentences because the second sentence was I have nothing else to add. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, right? Because I, I think you look at that left side of the line with Peter Skaronski yeah. at left guard and Joe Walt at left tackle, and uh, I mean that that'd be a great asset yeah. to your offense for the next ten years. Um, but it's you know it's interesting uh, with the Bears in the top ten because I, I yeah. even mentioned this. I think half of the Bears fan base are going to be upset that I had Caleb Williams going one. The other half of the fan base is going to be pissed at me because I have three receivers off the board in the top six. Uh, right. So at number nine, what direction are they go- they going in? Because I you'd think they'd love to have one of these receivers there, pair him with DJ Moore and you know whichever rookie quarterback they take at number mm-hmm. one, assuming that's the direction they go. Uh, but in this scenario, like I said, it's uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. At, at three to the Patriots, Malik Neighbors at four, and then Roma Dunze at six to the Giants. And again, this is a this is why mock drafts in January aren't silly. Even though th- a lot of things are going to change, this is yes. Uh, I very easily go zero for thirty two when we look back at this in April because of all the dominoes that are still to fall. Yep. But it, it's the thought exercise. It, it really is beneficial for for everybody to go through these thought exercises, examining each team. What are their draft philosophies? What have they done in the past? Where are they trending? It's not as simple as okay, what's their top need? Boom. Okay, tackle. There you go. Like it's not that simple. There's so much more that goes into it with draft trends and everything else. Free agency. That <laughs> that that'll play a big part. Sure. Up. Yes. And the all the. Uh, the coaches that are going to be hired throughout the process. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's it, so there's a lot of things that have to happen. But uh, with the way things look right now, there is a realistic chance that all three receivers, uh, those top three receivers, could be off the board here. And if the Bears don't feel comfortable with, uh, say, a Brian Thomas Jr., uh, at, at taking him as a top 10 pick, they might be in a position to take the best defensive player uh, off the board here. Because that, that's how it played out in the mock draft. Offensive players went one through eight. Number nine, uh, the Bears end up taking Dallas Turner, who you know I think you you pair him with Montez Sweat. Those two edge yeah. rushers, essentially, you're using your first two picks, your first round pick and your second round pick this year uh, yeah. on on pass rushers, along with uh, obviously the the first pick overall. Uh, but it's a chance to really upgrade uh, the, one of the most important positions in your roster. And with Dallas Turner, he's it, it's a really nice situation because he's not yeah. going to ask to be the guy that's Montez Sweat. Dallas Turner can be the Robin to his Batman and because he's so he is Dallas Turner moves like a middle linebacker but he plays like a defensive end a true defensive end because he can play the run he can they uh, use him as a spy sometimes too sure yeah so yeah they'll use him as a you know almost like a Micah Parsons sometimes with the way that you know he can rush from different angles because he's so strong with his hands he plays so violent um, and so to add him to the mix there at number at number nine, I, even though I don't, I don't know if that's high or number one on the wish list for Bears fans, I, I really like this outcome for Chicago. And I, I think they are a trench first team anyway, so that makes a lot yeah. of sense. And you know, I I think they they're set at tackle for a while. Braxton Jones, I think, is at the way at he's the very played, least. Yeah, he's he's. I would even say a good left tackle, at, least, yeah. at the very least, a solid left tackle. And I think Wright really had a nice year as a as a rookie. Wright's on the right side, so I always kind of at first was looking at the tackle position, but I have seen people oh bump this guy inside, do all that. It's like I don't know, I don't see them doing that because I think they're set there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I think Turner Turner's an interesting call there. I I think my most recent mock, I had the first eleven or twelve picks for offense, 
And I was just like, I couldn't figure out where I was pulling the trigger on Turner or a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, your first quarter off the board. Well, I should actually say this. You actually had a second edge go off the board, which was Latu from UCLA going to the Vikings at 11. Yeah. Uh, have you like, like, what have you liked with him? I, I, I got to watch him very recently. I understand kind of the appeal, but is this kind of where he's kind of being seen right now? Maybe in the top half of the first round? Well, I, obviously the medicals are going to be a big part of his yeah. evaluation and, and where he actually ends up. Um, you know, he had to f- medically retire um, at yeah. Washington and uh, left there, gets uh, had some doctors um, kind of go over things with him and they approved him, said you're good to go. And the last two years at UCLA, he has been uh, unstoppable as a pass rusher. And it's yeah. not just the physical traits, his ability, the first step quickness. It's not just his bend. It's the crafty handwork that he has, that he plays with. It's really impressive, the different doors he can open with the things that he sets up. And so uh, the Vikings are a team, you look at some of their picks in the early rounds the last few years, they're not afraid to take those injury risks. Uh, And so if Latu, as long as the doctors say, yeah, you know, there's some stuff in his background, but he's he's good to go right now. There, there's no, uh, you know, could another hit potentially lead to something? Sure, but that's true with almost everybody in the NFL. So, uh, you know, as long as the doctors give you two thumbs up, I, I think he would make a lot of sense for uh, the Vikings. I actually had the Vikings going defensive line with both their picks, a uh, chance to really get better on that side of the ball. No, that's a, that's a great call about their appetite <laughs> for injury risk players because they took the two dbs in the first yeah. draft lewis uh, the new regime yes uh, and the corner from booth. clemson yep, yep. Booth. and and then they also in free agency that's why they signed murphy uh right. for kind of a decent contract for what the player he was because of the injury stuff and also the davenport from new orleans too. Denver, yeah. so, yep that, that, that's hurt a lot this year but uh is, yeah. Uh, uh, yep by design but murphy yeah, it, when he was playing was a, was a positive player as well but that oh, yeah there's teams that do that. Teams are going to be have some appetite for that. And there's some teams that just go, ah, nope, take it mm-hmm. way off the board. Now, now we're gonna, not even dealing with it. But again, it depends on input and again, what you're willing uh, willing to tolerate. I also saw that you had, uh, just to round out the top 10, you had Bowers, Brock Bowers going number five to the Chargers, yeah. making a lot of fans very happy. And that I think is, I mean, just giving Herbert weapons and Bowers is one of the best weapons in this class or in a lot of classes. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so I understand why you did it. <laughs> well, you, you yeah. just said it weapon. I mean, it's yeah. again, I don't, I don't think we get, if you're getting too hung up on just the fact that he's a tight end or listed as a tight end, I think you're, you're missing the, yeah, you're missing the point. Uh, yeah. This is a a versatile weapon, and you know he can with, with the versatility to line up in line, but can also be a wide receiver if you want him to be. He's a weapon, an offensive yeah. weapon, and the way that you can utilize as long as you have a plan uh, in place. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it, and I I think it's only tapped out by a lack of uh, creativity by an offensive coordinator. Brock Bowers is going to make it easy on you to utilize all of that talent, and so um, you know people are going to bring up, oh, well, Kyle. People said the same thing about Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts was a pro bowler as a rookie. I mean, it's not like Kyle Pitts has been a terrible player when he's been out there. Uh, the offense has contributed to that in Atlanta. So he's still like 22. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you don't let past mistakes elsewhere dictate who you draft in your, yes. in your organization, yes. in your building. Yes. If you obviously the chargers are in a state of flux, they don't have a head coach right now. They don't have a general manager that will play a part in this, but trust your coaches, trust your uh, yeah. plan to build. And I, I don't think teams will have any trouble drafting Brock Bowers in the top seven picks. 
And to draw one little narrative comparison, just because going to the Chargers and who they're interviewing for their head coaching spot in uh, Mr. Harbaugh yeah. is who got a lot of use out of Vernon Davis in San Francisco was Harbaugh's sure. offenses. So now you got Bowers right there. <laughs> watch different watch types me, of, but you, you watch, watch Michigan and you see AJ Barner, you see uh, Loveland. Oh yeah, uh, you, you see these tight ends eat. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that would if Harbaugh Loveland's does end up, man. Who's that? I watch Loughlin's a freak man. Oh, I, he's. I, I wish we could be talking about him this draft process, but yeah, he'll be he'll be in next year's class because yeah, he's yeah. fun. He's, he's we'll, fun. we'll see what he does with whoever the next quarterback is at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, which heck, let's just talk about uh, talk about him now, McCarthy. Mr. JJ okay. McCarthy. Yeah, we talked about Your three QB quarterbacks four? so far. Yes, yeah. um, I, I he did officially declared. Um, yes, you know, just so for people that don't know the deadline for underclassmen to declare came and went this past Monday. Caleb Williams from USC was the final uh, underclassman to uh, formally uh, commit and announce uh, that he was going to the NFL, which I, you know, I talking to someone in the league about, you know, is there something going on here? Like, why is he dragging his feet here? And he, he made the comment. uh, He knows exactly what he's doing. This is purely to, uh, get people talking. Um, yeah, it's why okay. some people wait to the last moment on signing day uh, to pick their hat oh, yeah. for for college. It's it's all about eyeballs and to get people talking. And it's not you know C.J. Stroud did this last year, but C.J. Stroud had just played a game a week before and was realistically thinking about going back to Ohio State. Yes. This situation with Caleb Williams, he's been he hasn't played a game since November, and he knew a long time ago he was uh, going to the NFL. He's been doing his draft prep for a couple weeks now. So this is purely to, uh, yeah, keep people talking about him. Hey, it worked. Um, so J.J. McCarthy officially Did the declared. the workout video already ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Working with uh, Rick Scangarello, the Yes. Yeah, uh, former Broncos NFL OC. assistant. Yeah. NFL assistant, uh, college assistant. Yeah. Was with the Kentucky uh, coach yes. Will Levis last year, offensive coordinator at Kentucky for before he year. got fired. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, so yeah. we'll see how that works out. But uh, for JJ McCarthy, I honestly do not have a first, I don't have a first round grade on him. Um, I have more of a second round grade on him as a yep. quarterback who, who I think he needs, he needs time. It's, it's not a simple evaluation. I know you watched more of him, so I'll be eager I to did. get, uh, some of your thoughts on JJ McCarthy, but I, I was high on him coming into the year because I was banking on, um, his projection. He goes 15 and zero as a starter at Michigan wins a national title. And I still yet don't feel much better about him than I did before the year. Now, I think there's a lot of things going for him. I do, even though he needs to add weight, he's undersized, uh, just from a pure bulk standpoint. Uh, I know some scouts thought he was right around 200 pounds, if not below 200 pounds this year. Um, he, there's parts of his game that are more unproven than proven. And so there are question marks there, but I'm banking on a lot of the intangibles that he offers, a lot of the arm talent that he has. Mm-hmm. Does he have the arm talent of Caleb Williams? No. no one, I don't think anyone's saying that. But he has enough to be a functional NFL starter and perhaps more. Um, but I think people roll their eyes when you hear the win-loss record, when you talk about intangibles and leadership and blah, blah, blah. People just they, – they, their eyes gloss over that stuff matters uh, to NFL teams. So even if you don't think it Watch matters, sideline, they freaking love this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, that, it's a big deal. And look, yeah. he was like, I don't know, I can't remember. I have it written down in my notes, like thirty-six and two in high school, twenty-seven yeah. one in college. 
Um, this is a guy that uh, he wins, wins at every level, and he has that fu energy that if you're not with us, you're against us, and the that mental. That's why I see some Zach Wilson comparisons uh, to JJ McCarthy, and immediately I, I they don't make sense because yeah. Zach Wilson shrunk uh, in the NFL, and that yeah. was you know, he just looked like he had no confidence. JJ McCarthy is just oozing with confidence. Yeah, I, 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 and I don't think the NFL made, is going to change that. He might not have a lot of dropbacks on film, but he made more throws and structure than Zach Wilson did in their yes. final years. Like that, that's the number one thing that when you're watching McCarthy. Well, and so just yeah. I do have JJ McCarthy going in, in the first round. I have him yes. going to uh, the Los the Angeles Rams. Rams at number twenty, and I think it's an interesting parallel when you think about the Packers when they drafted Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was going into his age thirty six season. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford right now going into his age thirty six season. Um, I don't think Stafford's going to retire tomorrow. I Who knows when he'll be ready. He still looks like he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL he's when he's healthy. Yes, And that's a key thing here. I don't know how long Stafford plans on playing, how long his body will allow him to keep on playing, but it's at least a conversation the Rams have to have about the future. And maybe, you know, yes. McVay doesn't want to have that conversation because once Stafford's gone, he's ready to move on. You know, I mean, who yeah. knows? But um, that organization at least needs to have a conversation about the future of quarterback. And J.J. McCarthy could be a guy they're interested. Yeah, and especially how this team is set up. I mean, I think they... Or is, was it, were, the job that they put on this year, the Rams coaches, and just the draft that they had last year with Les Need was yeah. one of the most impressive turnarounds. I wouldn't say turnarounds, revamps, I would say, mm-hmm. that any team did this year. It's been really a lot of fun to watch. Even if they they got the best bang for their buck in terms yeah, of draft well, period. Picks. Period. No, no Everything they did. Every move yeah. they made. They, I mean, even just doing stuff with the line. Just a lot of stuff. A lot of bets they made paid off this year. Even if Have you heard ones, of but- Puka Nakua? I'm telling you, I think he's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll be all right. Oof. I think he might break a thousand yards. But <laughs> I, I actually really like McCarthy. And this is what I've come around in. I got to watch, I watched three more games yesterday. Bama game. I watched Ohio State again. I had watched that before, but I was watching a different player. <laughs> uh, but I was watching Ohio State defensive players. And then I watched another one. But these three games, uh, I see what everyone's saying with the flash stuff and the fit with the Rams makes a lot of sense because of his ability to throw on the move, but also his ability to throw over the freaking middle of the field exactly with no conscious. And that's what they love in that offense is the willingness to do that. The willingness to fit it into a tight window to stare where the ball, to throw the ball where it's supposed to go and to find a ways with a little bit of creativity. I, he has a little more creative flair. I mean, we saw the the throwback double throw where he's catching with one hand and winging it. We see some of that, but I would even say some of the pocket movement, be able to move into like step, no fat in the movement, and then throw the ball and throw it accurately, get create yards after the catch. So the Rams fit makes a ton of sense. I think those guys of that tree are going to really like J.J. McCarthy. The Rams fit makes even more sense because look at who the Rams have brought in outside of Stafford, Stetson Bennett. Who's 188 pounds? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, 27 years in. old. Yeah, yeah, John Wolford, who was a smaller quarterback as well, had was a pretty good athlete as well. But they're willing to let these Baker guys last can, year. Baker, all these guys that can throw on the move, and that makes and, and they're tough really SOBs. Matters. All yes, of them. Yes, and that's yeah. what McCarthy is. And I think McVay, ever since he had when uh, Jared Goff first got hurt, in like 2020, and he had Wolford in there, and he had another quarterback in there, but he was really doing the quarterback run game. And I think mm-hmm. he's always just been like, I want to get back to that. That like, like I want to like use that a little bit. McCarthy, you can sprinkle it in just a little bit. Like, and that's where you you see 
Michigan spam it whenever they need it. Like for, fourth quarter, huge drive. We got to milk this clock. There is the quarterback run game with McCarthy. So I've come around on him. I'm with you. I have like that late second, early third round grade on him. But there's more to like than maybe even I thought a couple of weeks ago. And that's not even including the games that what he did in the college football playoffs. I mean, the Bama game a little bit, but the other games before that. There's more flashes to it. The ability to move, throw on the move, the ability to create – Guys are going to like that and that accuracy. I still think there's some struggles throwing outside the numbers. He's mm-hmm. kind of kind of forces it, but I don't know. There's more to work with than maybe I even thought about six weeks ago. So I, I understand that he might creep in. And especially yeah. again with that mentality, that's that's catnip for coaches. Uh, yes. That the mental toughness. Um, I was talking to a scout about him the other day, and he mentioned how talking to the guys at Michigan, uh, the coaches. They said that when when McCarthy signed uh, out of high school, he was telling other Michigan recruits that if they wanted to, to party, if they wanted to go chase girls, stuff like that, go somewhere else. I mean, he had this mentality since he arrived at, at Michigan that you know he was going to be uh, they were going to be different, and so his makeup's a little bit different, just the way he's wired. Um, I, I know the big story with him as a recruit was I think it was his junior year he broke his thumb in the state playoffs the semifinals they told him to shut it down have surgery he taped it up he played won the state title the next week had surgery on monday and stuff like that is again it's catnip for coaches that's what they love to hear um and when you put your money where your mouth is and actually go out and do it and win these games and win the national win a state title win a national title in college football this that stuff matters, and so uh, people get fed up with the whole twenty-seven and one and the winning and all that. Uh, at least be open-minded to the idea that a team would be able to talk themselves into JJ McCarthy in the first round. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So the other, so that's four quarterbacks in the first round, and then you had two more in the second round. So you had uh, Bo Nix at pick thirty-four to the Patriots. So there's that quarterback of the future, possibly, and yeah. then Michael Penix Jr. to the Raiders at pick forty-four. So that is, I would agree that this is kind of the top six. I mean, it just uh, like this is th- these three: McCarthy, Nix, and Penix are kind of that fight for QB four to me right now. All kind of really graded like day two guys <laughs> for right. me right now. So, and so Knicks to the Patriots and Penix to the Raiders, what kind of like led you to these kind of pass or these kind of the consolation prizes, all those types of things. I and mean, I actually kind of like these fits uh, to be honest. So I, I wanted to hear you talk about them. Well, I mean, with the Patriots, again, there's so much we don't know, but it feels like the status quo is not good enough. I mean, I, th- right. I don't think anybody would disagree there. So what are you going to do to help 
the quarterback situation. I think Bo Nix, I have my issues with him as a as a quarterback, but I, he could be bring that a spark to that team. And I, it's it's so strange hearing the differing opinions throughout the league on him. There are some in the league that absolutely believe he's going first round, that he will be a top 25 pick. Others okay. believe he'll be available in the third round. So it's just a wide range of opinions yeah. on Bo Nix. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But again, when it comes to quarterbacks, all it take, all it, 31 teams could have a, a certain opinion on one. And all it takes is one team to think a little bit better of a player. And Absolutely. next thing you know, they go down in history as a first round pick. So Bo Nix will be interesting where he ends up. Um, he was two months old when Bill Belichick was hired as the Patriots head coach. So uh, that's funny. Just, some context to uh, that that uh, where we're at, <laughs> yeah, the time uh, how that's all played out. But uh, I we'll see how the Patriots situation evolves throughout the next few months and how that will hopefully give us an idea of their draft strategy. Yeah. Uh, but then with the uh, with the Raiders and, and Michael Penix, it just feels like again with the Raiders, uh, they have to do something here to add some type of new life to that quarterback room. Um, Aiden O'Connell is a nice player, uh, but. What are you going to do to get better in the room? And Michael Penix could potentially be that guy. And and we're talking about the forty fourth pick. I I think this is Michael Penix is probably more likely to go forty four than he is to go fourteen. Yeah, based off of uh, just his ability, but then also a factor in the age, factor in the the medicals. Um, But you know, the Raiders are in a spot where it's like, hey, it's the forty fourth pick in the draft. Let's roll the dice and see what we have here. Um, You know, I think that's that's potentially how they could be thinking. But again, they don't, it's just another team. We don't know the general manager yet. We don't know the head coach. Uh, In theory, it makes sense. Um, And and I think, you know, you could also maybe say the same thing about uh, the Vikings. They're picking two picks earlier at 42. Would they be in a position, even if they do bring back Kirk Cousins, could they be in a position to, um, you know, we saw when the revolving door of quarterbacks after Cousins went out, uh, could Michael Penix be a guy they lean on, especially early in the season, if Cousins isn't ready to go right away? Um, So I think the Vikings at 42, and then even the Falcons at 43, if they don't get a quarterback in the first round, could be an option there. So 42, 43, 44, those three spots are interesting Mm -hmm. landing spots for either Bo Nix or Michael Penix. Like you said, it just takes one, any player, but especially quarterbacks. And quarterbacks make people lose their mind so you like <laughs> especially if you have a decision maker that has a lot of influence in the room yeah they, you can you can get some interesting picks with that position uh but i i also want to ask you you i i think we both at the same time <laughs> we're kind of rising this guy up you already mentioned him a little bit as guy that oh dude do they this guy sneak into the top 10 maybe not was brian thomas as your receiver four from lsu you had him going to the jaguars at pick 17 i believe yes. and i was uh I, I thought your last line of this was very interesting because I, I kind of seeing it and kind of hearing the same thing. By the time April rolls around, he might not be an option outside of the top 15. And I, yeah, I, I think maybe this is just want to give you a second to maybe gush about Thomas and maybe why he could be a riser this next couple of months. We've talked about him a little bit before, but maybe why he's going to be a name to note outside of his very famous teammates, Daniels and neighbors. Yeah. And Brian Thomas, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he really came on this year and he was a big time recruit um, coming out of high school. Um, you know, he's, he's from Louisiana. He was a big time basketball player, uh, especially I think he led his uh, high school team to the state championship as as a freshman or as a, yeah, as a freshman. And then he didn't even play football until a sophomore year. He was 
base or basketball focused. And then at some point it switched over to football. And this past year is where he really exploded. He had over, almost 1,200 yards, uh, led FBS in receiving touchdowns with 17. Nobody had more receiving touchdowns than he did. It's just an outstanding size-speed combination. And it's not stiff. He's very fluid. Um, yes. As a route runner, you see the type of acceleration you need to beat NFL corners. Um, he'll, he has a, a little stutter step release, and then he quickly eats up that grass, yep. uh, can get over top man, uh, can get open underneath, and I, he does a nice job uh, at mid-air adjustments at the catch point, plays strong to the football, he'll work back to the ball, he'll box out, you see that basketball background with mm-hmm. the way that, you know, the box out angles that he uses. So, uh, there, and there's also a minimal delay going from catcher to runner, and that's uncommon that's for a like. bigger receiver like him, right? Yes. And so, and he has natural run instincts, I think, too. It's not yep. just a, uh, I'm going to get three yards and then uh, go down. He he can make the first man miss. He's he's a really impressive athlete. Um, and then what he did as a blocker, too. So all these things are, as I, as I say them, I'm like, yeah, he's, he might not be there outside of the top 15 picks because when you have the length that he offers, the fluidity, the speed, the ball winning uh, athleticism, and then just his his budding route instincts. You know, you could see it That's connecting it. the dots. It's yeah. this is a really dangerous weapon, and so you know, what's his upside? Uh, T Higgins, or you know, like he has a lot of ability that I think teams are going to look at and say. Yeah, he's good now, but we're three years from now. That's what we're really excited about. And so I don't think a team would really bat an eye drafting him somewhere in the top 15 picks. That's what has me excited is you could, you said it's budding kind of route awareness, route running is if you watch this one game from each month of LSU and watch him improve each month in his route running and his feel. And he has, for 6'4", 205, I believe he's listed at. He has very, very light feet. And mm-hmm. that is, like you say, that is not normal to be that agile. I'm trying to – I've been trying – I've been struggling with a comparison for him in my brain, but it was like the – some of the footwork stuff is kind of like Sutton, uh, uh, Cortland Sutton, but I, I think he's actually a better, way better player than Sutton is. And yeah. I like Sutton. And Sutton's more of a ball winner. And that's the thing. It's like Thomas has that size, not saying he's finesse but it's like, man, he plays like a guy that's more six foot one ninety. It, but that's how he moves and everything and has that kind of yards after a catch. But I'm a huge fan. Uh, you had him very early, uh, way up your board. And I got to watch him early when I was watching the LSU offense. And yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I agree with you. I think he's just going to keep rising up the board. The guy that was in contention, maybe receiver two for a while, Keon Coleman, you have at pick 29 going to the Bills, uh, giving them another weapon, you know, to add with Khalil Shakir. Uh, maybe to give us Stephon Diggs succession plan, but uh, Coleman kind of maybe to some people that might be a little bit falling. Uh, any kind of like uh, insight on that to maybe the back after the first round when he was looked at maybe as a top 12 pick for a little bit. Yeah. And it's, I don't know that, you know, with Keon Coleman, he's, he's just a different type of weapon, right? That, that yeah. Buffalo usually had that Josh Allen has had over his career. Um, I, I people are going to ding Keon Coleman because he's not the best separator at the top of routes. I think when you focus on what Keon Coleman does really well, and that's the you know just the uh, physical abilities, the size, uh, the body control. You could argue he's the best in this class at the catch point because he yeah. can make these unbelievable adjustments on the ball, 50-50 grabs, several you know the one-handed stuff, um, the way that he can maintain his focus to track finish while he's wearing 
defenders like a backpack. It's it's impressive. <laughs> yes. uh, and it he is. consistently draws pass interference calls because, especially in the red zone, uh, yep. that's where he can really flex his muscles. Um, so, I mean, he is... I, he's. I think he's getting dinged up or dinged by uh, yeah. by people a little bit too much because this is still a really good player. And I mean, you don't have 100 plus receiving yards, 100 plus uh, punt return yards in the same game. First to yeah. do it at Florida State since Peter Warwick. You don't do that if you're a bad athlete. So he's not stiff. Uh, that's the, yeah. That's no, what I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm kind of wrap my head around too. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, he fell to the bottom of the first round in this mock draft, but. I, I, and I don't think he's going to run great, um, yeah. you know, but I mean, he'll be somewhere in the four fives, but it might be closer to four five or a four, four, six, you know, like a four, five, six, something like, like that. Okay. But, uh, you know, this is a, a player that I think teams are still excited about. And if you get him in the back half of round one, right. You know, you're going to feel really good about that. And we, when we've seen players, um, whether it's AJ Brown or, you know, you know, players with maybe some question marks that, teams made a mistake because they focused on what he didn't do instead of focusing on what he did do you know aj brown is a second round pick because teams focused on uh, what he didn't do and you know oh he's can he play outside does he have the speed to win one-on-one down the field i mean they they they're Same with instead of that was yeah right just right. jefferson too oh he's a Focus. slot guy i was like well <laughs> focus on what he does well and how yes. and, and maybe what he does well doesn't fit your offense perfectly and that's fine but for a lot of teams this Keon Coleman could be exactly what they're looking for and I think the Bills could be one of those teams because again he's a different type of weapon uh gives Josh Allen a huge catch radius um so even if he's not open he's open and so <laughs> when you focus on what Keon Coleman does well I think you know you start to okay yeah he's still a good player yeah, I, I I love it too, especially yeah, because I have him as an easy, still a first round grade, and I kind of have softened a little bit on him, but I just kind of keep, like you said, I keep seeing him getting dinged. I'm like, man, I just see this guy dunking on guys, <laughs> and I see yeah. him and- catching the ball over the middle and adjusting for it, and then actually breaking tackles, which is not what you see from usually long, right. gangly guys. So it's yeah, I don't, I don't know. and I don't I, think it's necessarily anything that he did. It's more yeah, just. Yeah. Other watching guys. more of these guys and oh yes. yeah i like brian thomas more or you know Same. loma dunze <laughs> is is a better prospect and yeah. i like what he has to you know so it, it's just more a, a product of other players being really good in this class and this being yeah. just another loaded wide receiver group 11 wide receivers I was just off the say. board in this two-round mock draft so and five in the first round six in the second round and i know i'm already getting yelled at for some of the receivers that uh i didn't have in there uh so there this is going to be a receiver class that stretches a little bit and you know there should be some pretty good players even into the third round that that group of six maybe that made your second round any that you want to highlight i uh, there's one interesting name that i got to watch this morning but uh any of these guys that you want to highlight you had uh donna mitchell going to the panthers at 33 jalen yeah. pope from washington going to the falcons at 43 love that fit lad yeah. mcconkley to the Bengals at 49 i love that one because you're saying he's a tyler boyd replacement troy franklin from oregon to the browns at 54 really like that one xavier worthy to the bucks at 57 yeah i mean this is like fantasy fantasy booking they call it in wrestling right. but then the last one malachi corley from western yeah. K- kentucky going to the texans and that's kind of who i was gearing and angling this conversation towards but uh any of these guys you want to talk to specifically corley from western kentucky uh let's talk about all of them because yeah I, okay. I think malachi it. corley to the texans in the second round is one of my favorite that was a team player matches in this draft. When you think about D'Amico Ryan's Blobby Sloak, where they come from, San Francisco, they mm-hmm. saw firsthand the impact of Debo Samuel uh, and what he brought to that offense with that play style. Malachi Corley brings the exact same play style. I'm not going to say he's Debo Samuel or on that level, but he's yeah. close. 
Um, they call him the Yak King for a reason. He is a running or a wide receiver before the catch, a running back after the catch. He will run over you. Um, I what did you watch the Louisiana? I think it was Louisiana Tech. Did you watch that tape this morning? I did. I did, and I, I saw mean, it in your I saw it in your uh, your video too on him or your tweet on that uh, that game as well. Yeah, oh I mean God. he just embarrassed dudes. I watched Ohio State this morning. He ran over yeah. three of their DBs on just you know who he runs like, and this is just a modern comparison, and not the same size, just smaller. He's smaller, correlately smaller. Rasheed Rice, and maybe because they get yeah. used the same, but a lot of those you know a lot of bubbles, a lot of like flat. But he's not just a gadget player. That's usually that's an alarm bell for me. It's just flats. It's just screens and smoke screens and stuff it's like no I, you see the flashes of downfield stuff especially with the route running but i agree with you he's explosive he's strong um very physical there's flashes of route running it's a little loose right now but he has ability that you can work with so i well and I, that's I why really i like this one uh i think the senior bowl the shrine bowl um you know they these all-star games can get beat up a little bit when you say what you know what? What what do they can they show in one week that they can't? They didn't put on film for three week or for three years. You know, like in why is one week going to change a grade? A guy like Malachi Corley, seventy seventy five percent of his targets uh, or his catches in college came within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. So he can <laughs> yeah. do it downfield, but it yeah. it's not as frequent. It's, that, it's just not what they asked him to do. It's an, it's he, an old air raid offense, so it's all right. yak 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 yak. Get short short throws he, everywhere. That he yeah. had a specific role with what yep. they wanted him to do, and he executed it very well. At the Senior Bowl is where he can maybe show, hey, I'm more than this. I can win right. downfield. I can win in right. the one-on-ones uh, and the outside against corners, um, doing more than just using my physicality to break tackles. So, yeah, this guy, he's got that compact build. Uh, he looks like a running back. He's He has the mentality of a running back. He's going to run over dudes. Um, you know, he just his ability to accelerate to top speed quickly is impressive because yeah. he'll translate that into contact, run over guys, power through tackle attempts. Um, you know, some of the he, he averaged 9.2 yards yak per reception over the last two years at Western Kentucky. That's a ridiculous number. First down uh, of the act, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. I mean, so, yeah. uh, and, and I mean, he was really productive. He is the all-time uh, catches leader uh, in uh, Western Kentucky history. Uh, really good guy as well. Uh, just, you know, I get a lot of strong character stuff from him. So, uh, awesome. or from scouts on, on the player. So, Malachi Corley, I love that fit to Houston. I, I mean, I don't think wide receivers necessarily number one need uh, for them. So, you know, Tank Dell, you expect to come back healthy. Nico Collins with what he did. Um, Noah Brown's a, a, a useful player. Uh, you, they still expect um, good things from um, from wide receiver from Alabama. John Mechie. Uh, yes. Uh, so, yes. you know, I, I don't think wide receiver is necessarily flashing in bright lights as, hey, we need to go get one. But the thought of adding a guy like this with yeah. a CJ Stroud in that offense with a role that I think this this coaching staff will be familiar with, just love that fit. I do too. I, I, I really liked it. I really liked the player. Uh, that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and and how he would fit in there too. I there's more receiver to him than I thought initially going in, which I was mm. very excited. His ball skills were very real. Like he can adjust yes. for catches behind his body. So yeah, a very, very fun player. Um, so uh, that, yeah, man, geez, uh, there was a lot of receivers. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, and I wanted to talk about at 33 with Carolina, because this is an interesting yeah. spot for them because they, they're going to feel pressured to help the quarterback with this pick. 
Um, I mean, every every move they make this offseason is going to feel like they're pressured to help the quarterback. Um, but you know, with a new GM coming in, um, new uh, you know new philosophy with how they attack the roster and, and just the whole management of what they're doing out there, new coaching staff. Um, but still, I think at 33, they're going to feel pressure, especially if they don't get a you know the T Higgins or they they don't get that big fish in free agency or trade. How are they going to help the quarterback? Uh, right. I, I have them taking Adonai Mitchell from Texas, who I I think this is a little rich for where most people in the league, most teams expect him to be drafted, but he has high upside. He Half has, round, though. Like pro- I'm guessing, I, I'm kind of late probably, second, early third on him. Probably, so yeah, yeah, but that's still okay. I, okay. I, I just, again, I think it's it's high upside. It's okay. What can yeah. this guy? If he hits, what can he be for us? Um, cause yeah, he is a very loose athlete. Um, and he's good sized player. There, there's a lot that could, you know, a lot of good that could come from this pick. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, you make mention Jalen Polk to the Falcons. I think that that's a great one. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's one that, yeah, I, I was surprised, but I wasn't when I realized that the Falcons only had the Falcons receivers had only four touchdowns this year. Yeah. Shocked. I, I mean, I, I, incredible I, I surprised, stat. surprised, but I wasn't. Was it two uh, of them for Scotty Miller as well? Which Scotty is, Miller. That's right. Yeah. Drake London had two. Scotty Drake Miller London had the other two. Oh, man. Trust Unbelievable. Me, too much Falcons this year. I can tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know you did. There's yeah. about seven of those touchdowns were about one inch away and they turned oh, into turnovers geez. or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I know. Uh, as someone that had way too much money invested in uh, Falcons over eight and a half wins. Yeah. That was a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a interesting game. But no, I really like the, po- the poke to the Falcons one because it just makes sense. He's a, he's a Z. He blocks his ass off too. I know Arthur Smith yeah. is no longer there, but that's still a value to asset. So yeah. I like I like that one a lot. Yeah, and, and Drake London I think can be a legit number one. And you yeah, had yeah. a guy like this at number two, and you're you're in a good sh- you're in good shape moving yeah. forward. Um, Lad McConkey to the Bengals. Um, th- this great. is in you know McConkey. I, I I if you told me that he is going to average 15, 15 to sixteen games over his rookie contract, uh, fifteen to sixteen games a year over his rookie contract. I would have no problem pulling the trigger on him, the top 40 picks, you know, maybe even the first round. He's, he just, he's missed a lot. He's been banged up often the last two years and he's a smaller guy. And I think that's going to worry a lot of teams. Um, But here at 49, you look at the Bengals and, you know, we've probably seen the last of the Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, McConkey could be that guy that helps them transition to the next phase of what that offense looks like. And, you know, you want to scare defenses. Lad McConkey will help you scare defenses with uh, Joe Burrow throwing the rock. Yeah, no, it, and that's perfect for how they use them too, because they don't need that slot guy to be like a blocker or a scrappy guy or yeah. like a, a scrapper and all that physical guy. Just get uh, open. So it's like, just yeah. get open. And there's yeah. a lot of space with Jamar Chase and with or without T. Higgins, but there's going to be a lot of space right. for him to work with. So no, I, I thought that one was a great one. The uh, I was maybe on a flip over. I actually thought, actually, I had one more question. I noticed that you gave the Chiefs a tight end replacement in the second round. Would you want to talk about the maybe the heir to Travis Kelsey's throne? I, I do not going to put him in the in that category, but I, I, that's that's unfair. But I did notice that little fit that you had there. Well, and I, I think that maybe long term he's the heir, but I think right now he's the compliment. I think yeah. that with what you you put him out there, he'll he's more receiver than blocker, but he's just another option that I think Patrick Mahomes will feel 
comfortable throwing to. He will gain trust in what he can offer. So, um, long, you know, who knows? I mean, Travis Kelsey's going to play as long as he wants. Um, and it, that might not be, he'll, he might retire in six years. Who knows? But the opportunity to, bring in a guy that's going to help to learn under Kelsey that can, you can have him on the field at the same time. Um, I, I think it just helps the offense. So yeah, I, I again, this is pick 59. So yeah. when you're talking about outside the top 50 picks, let's just draft good players. Let's draft guys that we think can, you know, really be an asset so. to our team. And I think Sanders is that guy. Yeah. Jatavion Sanders from uh, Texas. And that's yeah. what he is. He's a, he's a move tight end, but they know how to use those guys. So I, I thought that they was do. a very interesting one. Uh, and he'll you mentioned- be, uh, he oh. not, not got announced today. He'll be at the Shrine Bowl. Um, okay. He's not, he's not going to play, but he will be there to interview with teams, um, interview with media. So just okay. kind of a, you know, he's a Texas guy. He's from, uh, I believe he's from Denton Ryan, uh, which is right there in North Texas. It, it's an opportunity for him to get some FaceTime with scouts before the combine, answer any questions. And so, you know, good on him for taking advantage of that opportunity at the Shrine Bowl, uh, which is going to be in Frisco uh, coming up here in a week and a half. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you mentioned uh, Corley as one of your favorite team fits. Did you have any other favorite kind of like player team fits that you kind of were like, ooh, I like that one. Like you, you're like, yeah, that scratch nature, maybe a little narrative thing that you really like there. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, in the, in the first, back in the first round, I really like Jackson Powers Johnson, the uh, Oregon yes. center to Miami well, I was gonna ask you uh, at 22. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it, that's definitely one of my, one of my favorite fits. I think when you look at Powers Johnson, um, I, I'm still searching for the bad tape. I'm still I'm still looking. Uh, he was he had such a good year this year for Oregon. He's a center, but he has guard experience. He's a good size player, good size mm-hmm. uh, athlete. The way he moves, he's strong at the point of attack. He finishes. He'll get a little overzealous at times, a little over aggressive, but it's not something that hinders his game. He is a re- he's a young ascending player, and I think it maybe surprised people that I'm going 22 uh, that early. But I love the fit in Miami. He is a plug and play guy that really can help all three of those interior positions. It, it seems no matter what, when we do mocks for the Dolphins, it's like we need uh, versatile offensive linemen. Just versatile, yeah. like that's just which hole that they need. just fill it. Just give them a guy. So that that's yeah. been one of the, the easier fits. Uh, no, that that's a guy that I, I've watched recently, but that's a, a a riser I would call because that is somebody that has been kind of picking up some steam. I would say another riser. Also, I, I'm trying to tie this to Pacific Northwest. You had going to the Seahawks. They're not from Washington, but you had Byron Murphy from Texas mm-hmm. uh, going at to pick number sixteen, I believe, uh, to the Seahawks. So Byron Murphy. Uh, kind of a, you know, this is a little bit of a jump up there. So what are your thoughts on Murphy? You know, defensive tackle is kind of a, there's not a lot of names up at the top of the draft at this point in time. So some thoughts on Murphy as your DT one at this point in time, as far as in this mock draft. Yeah, no. And I think he is, he is the top defensive tackle with the way he plays. He's just, he's so disruptive versus both the pass and the run. He is a hard guy to block and he'll get beat up through the process because he's not the biggest player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what the exact measurements are 
height, length, um, hands, all that. But um, I the just the tape and the metrics are heavily yeah. in favor uh, of of Murphy. He had a win a pass rush win percentage rate nineteen point six percent this year. No other defensive tackle in the country was above seventeen percent. Yeah, <laughs> um, you think about you know some Anything of these ten percent's good. Oh, <laughs> so for an interior player, absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah. you you know Kalaja Kansi was a top twenty pick last year. Um, you know, we've seen undersized defensive tackles go in the top 20 before. So I don't think it should surprise anybody if Byron yeah. Murphy gets up there. And I think he's going to test well. Um, at 300 pounds, he might run in the four sevens um, in the 40. And, and some of the other drills should look nice too. So again, I think it's just all about checking the boxes. Tape checks, metrics check. Um, uh, we'll see what the testing numbers. But if it's the check that I expect it to be, no surprise why he would go this early and Seattle. I know they traded a second, um, uh, you know, for Leonard Williams. And so it's kind of like, all right, we're using our first two picks on interior defensive linemen, but at the same time, okay, let's just, yeah, let's, let's just (laughs) keep getting better. Let's keep throwing our assets at a position that we need to get better at. And um, Murphy, again, when you can be disruptive versus the pass and the run, that could be such an asset. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of like this marriage, and I, I like Murphy going uh, this early. I, I love when you get the different flavor on the defensive front. Um, like mm-hmm. even you had Dallas Turner going to the Bears defensive front. Him and Sweat complement each other because they are a little bit different styles, even if they both are two-way players. But like Murphy with the Seahawks front, you brought Leonard Williams, but a lot of their guys are kind of those mauler, bruiser types. So you get kind of that more, you know, shooter type you know the one that's right. going to really disrupt as those other guys are kind of plugging um so i always kind of like that kind of mix and you have no idea what kind of defensive system they're going to run so that's that's, that's a that's whole true. another um so i consider that a riser was there any other guys that you kind of jumped up here maybe in the first round or the second round that you want to highlight as guys that you're noting rising for you rising what you're hearing or just yeah generally good <laughs> i mean yeah we, we touched on a bunch of them already i i think um yeah chris jenkins the defensive tackle from michigan going yeah. 37 overall i think he benefits from a defensive tackle class that isn't great and but you look at what he offers um i i think a lot of teams are going to be in on chris jenkins and saying okay if we don't get him here in the second he won't be there for us in the third so we're comfortable drafting here drafting him here in the top 40 top 50 picks um, so yeah, he'd be one. Um, some of these safeties, I think, in the second round, uh, make are going to make a lot of sense. That they're just good players. Uh, yeah. Jaden Hicks from Washington State. I am going to the Packers at forty one. He he has almost the size of a linebacker. He's six two yeah. two fifteen. He is that intimidator over the middle of the field. I mean, yeah. I'm coaches are at, love at, him. as a Wisconsin yeah, yeah. fan. I know you know from uh, <laughs> from from that game this year, uh, laying out yes. dudes over the middle of the field. Um, but he's three also, of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he can cover, he, I mean, he picked yeah. off Michael Penix this year. Um, I can't remember. I think it was like a, might've been a slot fade. Um, but he, he is a guy that can ha- do different things, wear different hats. He can play the nickel. He can play the box. He can play deep. Um, there's a lot of things you could do with Jaden Hicks in a 6'2", 215 pound body. So like him quite a bit. Um, the other safety that I think has been, Maybe moving up a little bit, uh, Javon Bullard from Georgia. Um, yeah. he, he's a every single tape I watched on him this year. He he made his presence known in the run game, and I think he'll he'll get dinged a little bit because I don't expect him to be a great tester. But uh, for a safety, I think he's going to be just fine, and he does he's just enough range where he can make plays uh, in coverage and not just totally get uh, get beat. So Javon Bullard from Georgia, another one of these Georgia DBs that. You know, maybe not go into the second round, but he's a good player. 
Yeah, and uh, honestly, there's another name that was a. And this is we're talking defense right now, but even it makes sense that you're talking about. Oh, this guy might rise up. This guy is a new name, or this guy teams are going to like and everything is because defense tackle linebacker and safety or there's not a lot of guys at the top of the board right <laughs> so there's going to be guys that are going to rise as we oh this oh this guy oh this guy's interesting because that's what's going to be is more interesting names so the uh, the first linebacker you had off the board speaking of which was junior colson from michigan mm-hmm. at pick 50 to the eagles which is a very relevant position need uh that i thought was very timely that you slotted that one in there so uh what has colson kind of improved throughout the throughout the process as you watch more of them yeah, I think he's just he's he's reliable. He's rock solid. That's I don't it. think he, he might yeah. not have an elite area to his game, yeah. but smart. everything he does, yeah, he's a good quality player. He's yeah. not going to be the the fastest linebacker at the combine, but he'll he'll be just fine. He'll run well. Um, you know, he plays physical. He plays tough. He'll play through injuries. Um, you know, the background's kind of crazy. He grew up in a Haitian uh, orphanage and came to the U.S. and didn't know English, didn't know football, didn't know anything, and just gradually grew into this, uh, you know, really dominant linebacker in high school, and then goes to Michigan and and continues to get better and better. And, and here we are. I think he's got a chance to be a top fifty draft pick. And it's funny the Eagles they have three picks in the top two rounds. All three picks are back seven defenders uh, in this mock draft, and. <laughs> If you need to know why, uh, why? Then you didn't, we didn't watch the game <laughs> last night against the Bucks, uh, they need help in a big way um, because it's you know as much as we want to get on them about the coaching, it's just yeah. personnel. They just don't have it, and it. so uh, in in the first round, I had them taking Quinion Mitchell, I believe, yep. and then from yeah, corner from Toledo. And then in the second round, Junior Colson here at 50. And then they have a, another second round pick. I haven't taken uh, uh, Bullock, uh, Kalen Bullock, the safety from USC, rangy, true center field type. Um, so, yeah, th- those three picks make a lot of sense and very topical based on how that uh, Bucks and uh, Eagles game played out. Um, another one of my favorite. Of the year. <laughs> yeah. Another one of my favorite fits was. Uh, well, what the Steelers did in this mock in the first round, they got Cooper DeGene, a guy that yeah. you know we know he can play in that black and yellow. Um, and you think about the Steelers, <laughs> they could use an outside I, corner. But I they was could stole also, those uniforms, so that makes it, a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They had to deal with them. They had to match. There the you uniforms go. For you. Yeah, it, so that makes sense. <laughs> they uh, the Steelers need an outside corner, but they can also use an inside corner. They can also yeah. use a box guy. They can also use. Yeah. Cooper does all that stuff. It's so great. I, I love I, that. I, Make a Fitzpatrick, yeah. Joey Porter Jr. and Cooper DeGene. Yeah, sign me up. That's I, great. I, I do. Yeah, I think that fit makes a lot of sense. And then the second, yeah. I haven't taken Zach Frazier from West Virginia, who yes. grew up just south of Pittsburgh. He yeah. embodies that that Pittsburgh. Uh, what you think of a Pittsburgh offensive lineman? And it, talk about two a guys. Backyard help. brawler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he and he has that mentality. I mean, we mentioned yeah, yeah. how after he broke his leg trying to get off the field, uh, just so they didn't they didn't have to waste a timeout or get the penalty, uh, ten second runoff late in that final game. Now, obviously, that injury will play a factor in uh, where he's ultimately drafted. But as long as it's you know the rehab's going well, it's healing just fine. I, I think that you know he's still going to be somewhere in this day two conversation. And for the Steelers, you take the long term look with a Zach Frazier. He could be starting center for you, uh, you know, at some point in October next year, which obviously is a position they need to address. So to DeGene and uh, and Frazier, those those two picks, I think will go a long way to kind of helping what. You know the culture. I think is going to be fine yeah. as long as Tomlin's there. But two guys that'll help edge it in the right direction. 
Um, so I like what they did. And then, um, you know, Troy Franklin to the Browns. The Browns are kind of tough. They don't pick in the top 50 this year. Uh-huh. But when you look at that offense needing another explosive element, um, Franklin is, uh, you know, I know some people are, like him in the first round. I just can't get there. And I, I, I don't, I haven't heard any feedback from NFL teams that he's in the first round. Yeah. He's just, he's an unpolished player. And so uh, there, there are question marks. But again, if you're the Browns, you're picking a 54. More likely than not, right here. You're, yeah. you're getting a guy at 54 <laughs> who's going to have some warts on him. Yep. But they want explosive young talents, and that's what Troy Franklin is. Um, he had uh, he was top three in the country this year, eight catches over forty yards. Um, you know, he was one of only two receivers that had at least thirteen hundred yards receiving and fourteen receiving touchdowns. Him and Malik Neighbors. So there's a lot to like about him as a get down the field, go make a play. And you add him to that mix in Cleveland, and you might have something uh, even as early as his rookie year. And then one more I wanted to talk about was uh, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, That's who I was going to ask you about. Yeah, your only running back, I believe, in the first two the rounds. The only I, I wasn't planning on doing a running back uh, oh, in, in these first two rounds, especially bit. when uh, Trayvon Henderson went back to school. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting when you think about who that first running back is going to be. Is it going to be? Audrey Estime from Notre Dame. Is it going to be, you know, could Blake Corum get up there? Uh, you know, there, there's not a consensus running back one, especially with Jonathan Brooks uh, coming off the ACL injury. But the Cowboys, you know, Troy Pollard, uh, or uh, yeah, he's a free agent. Yes, yeah, excuse me, Tony Pollard. Um, he's a pending free agent. We don't know if he's going to be back or not. I'm sure he's going to want to get paid, and I, the Cowboys are probably not going to pay him the money that he yeah. wants. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, you look at Jonathan Brooks, a guy that maybe had an early second-round grade uh, before the injury. You have a chance to get him at 56, and this is a Cowboys team that's not afraid to take risks within that second round. They've done it often when, when it comes to oh yeah you talk randy about gregory. randy gregory yeah. uh, jalen smith uh coming um, off that major Sam injury Williams. at notre dame yeah i, I mean even last year with a schoonmaker like a, a yeah. guy that yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know is, yeah a good player but you know you're you're telling me that uh you know jonathan brooks can't make a bigger impact than schoonmaker who they drafted in the, around the same area uh last yeah. year so Brooks even even coming off the ACL injury, but here's the key thing with him: uh, the guy that did his surgery, his ACL surgery, is the Cowboys team physician. That's a so great point. It's it, it nobody's got better information than the yeah. Cowboys about what the okay when's he gonna be back on the field? When realistically will he be able to run and be you know game ready? And all, all those questions will be answered uh, for the Cowboys because and now all these other teams will have these answers too because they'll you know their own doctors will look at him and all that, mm-hmm. but nobody have better information than the Cowboys and again I think it's just a, a fit that makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels I know I like that one a lot and it, it's he's supremely talented it's you know a Texas yeah. running back it's like of course they have a guy <laughs> they, they yeah. get a five-star guy every single year uh but we, we just talked about some risers but were there any guys that fell or surprises or guys that you're kind of feeling that their ground is kind of maybe falling a little bit or their floor is falling a little bit when you're doing this or just anything you're hearing um, you know, like. I think, well, and some of these guys, I think were a little overvalued to begin with, um, like Cameron Kitchens, like he's a nice player. He's a good player. Yeah. It's just, you know, he's not that first round pick that, uh, a lot of people want him to be, um, he'll make a play one, one play, he'll make a play and then he'll miss the next two or, you know, like he's, he's a good player. He's just, a, he's an inconsistent player. And so yeah. I, right now, if you had to say, 
over under, you know, the top 75 picks. I mean, that's kind of what this over under is. Um, it, at least that's what, how NFL teams grade. I mean, that's why I was really glad to see Kitchens uh, accept his senior bowl invite. That yeah. That's another guy who has a chance to really help himself with a good week in Mobile. Um, you know, a lot of teams need safeties, and Kitchens, he has a lot to offer. Uh, it's not like he's yeah. a bad player. It's just, can he be more consistent? Can he convince teams that he will be, you know, he has yet to reach his ceiling. He has more upside and will continue to get better and better with, with more coaching. So, um, kitchens would definitely fall in that category, but, um, yeah, no, some I mean, teams are going to, some guys are going to like him because he's just such a smart sure. player. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, you have to understand what he is. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I, and it's interesting. Another, uh, theme with the second round was offensive linemen and how, we we're going to see a lot of them go in the first round, and yeah. so who's going to be left in the second round? And once those guys are gone, are we going to see maybe some reaches? And you know, we maybe we have a third round grade on this guy, but we need to take him here at you know forty five. Uh, you know, talking about the Saints, they need offensive line help. I haven't taken Dominic Pooney uh, from Kansas, who I think realistically is maybe more of a late second, early third. Uh, but they take him in the top fifty because hey, we need offensive line help, and if we don't draft him here. He won't be there for us in the third, and we don't love our third-round options at that point. So um, offensive linemen, after those guys come flying off the board the first round, it just thins out a lot in the second round, and that could help some guys maybe go a little bit earlier than we thought. Okay. And speaking of which, you had you had one offensive lineman that you snuck in in the back half of the second round, and it was a, a Yale Bulldog at offensive yeah. tackle. I'm not going to try and say his last name, so I would like I'd love to hear you talk about this guy because he is a new name for me, and I, I think it's a very interesting one to be thrown out here because I think he's an interesting prospect overall. So why don't you talk about this Yale Bulldog from <laughs> this offensive tackle prospect? Yes. Uh, Karan Amagaji. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Amagaji. I would have been close. I would be close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, he's not okay. going to be talked about a lot because he's an Ivy Leaguer and he's hurt right now. So we're not going to see him at the Senior Bowl. We're not going to see him at the Combine. Um, well, you know, he'll, he'll be at the Combine. He's not going to be working out. Um, he needs a young player. He grew up a, a basketball guy, uh, okay. you know, and he's he's kind of late to football. He didn't actually start playing football until eighth grade, um, and you know he is kind of it's been a gradual process for him. But and then he goes to to Yale, and his first season's wiped out because of COVID. So he doesn't get on the field until his sophomore year. Uh, he starts at guard, and then the last two years he's a left tackle uh, before his his injury back in October this year. So um, there. There's, and he might not go this early because of all those factors, but um, and I'm going to the 49ers who, again, it's 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 about planning for the future. And do you need a left tackle tomorrow? No, but in a year and tomorrow, you might. So drafting a guy like this now that you can develop and learn from one of the greats and Trent Williams um, and need someone that can also help maybe at right tackle this year. Um, yeah. yeah, that's another area that, that 49ers could address. So I, I think that's a fit that would make sense um, for a really promising young player with a ton of talent. This guy is he's one of the, the longest players in the draft for as athletic as he is. Yeah. Um, his arms are 36 and three quarter, which is oh remarkable. <laughs> I mean, it's is that longer because Paris Johnson was like 36 and a half. Right. So he even got that. Man, well, yeah, Dewan Jones was. Dewan Jones was up there too, right? Yeah, but yeah, this is that. That's as as, as long as, long as you as can hope here. for. Yeah, yeah, that's as long uh, as you ever hear. Yeah. 
so yeah uh if and we'll that's we'll insane. see if that's if, if that that that's the number scouts gave me so if that's if that comes to fruition and that's what he actually is at the combine well we'll wait and see but that'll definitely they can count hopefully they can count yeah. on that campus you know hopefully they're using right. maybe they're, are they using the metric system maybe <laughs> is that they do in the ivy league yeah uh he is he is a guy that's impressive um yeah i've talked, no, I've talked to him multiple times out. he's he's really really smart guy character's yeah. great uh coaches really like him and then again the athletic traits the length and it's like all right yeah let's let's take a swing on this guy even as early as a second round and see yeah. what we can what we have down the road and someone will especially at that position that's what yeah. there's some interesting day two guys at the, at the tackle position even the guy um you know kingsley from byu in the end mm-hmm. of the first round, I believe you had in there. Like, no, that's what's it's so interesting. And I bet you there's a lot of Northeast area scouts that were very happy about this prospect going like, oh, we got somebody. <laughs> I, yeah, got, I got somebody that's interesting at one of these schools. So, yeah. And yeah, just the last thing is any guys that maybe you had th- thought about on these mocks or on your big board that return to school, kind of uh, the best that are returning to school and guys that you'll see in about four months when you do your <laughs> way too early big board and mock draft right after the draft at the end of April. <laughs> Well, nobody benefited more than Ohio State, right? All the guys yeah. they got back, um, you know, from JT, uh, he would have made uh, to Amalo. He would have made uh, this mock draft, yeah. um, whether it was late first, or early second, I don't know, but he would have been in there. Trayvon Henderson, the running back, might have been yep. in there. Emeka Buka uh, probably would have been in there. Denzel Burke, the corner, probably yep. would have been in there. Jack uh, Sawyer. Tyler- Sawyer probably would have been in there. I mean, all they had a lot of guys. I was told that the day after the Michigan National Championship game was the biggest, uh, most lucrative day for the collective at Ohio State. Um, This, hey, Ohio Ohio State has one of the the biggest uh, alumni bases. So, I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't be, obviously. But uh, clearly, they want to uh, get back on the right side of things uh, for them as, as they see this rivalry. But they have the they, they, with Will Howard. We'll see, you know, how that comes to fruition. But with all the guys they came back, nobody benefited more. Um, and bringing in Quinchon uh, Judkins, a running back from Ole Miss. I mean, it's going to yep. be expectations might be too high. It, it, you know, this is for Ryan Day. It's 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 playoff. It's not even playoffs. It's it's because it's a 12 team playoff next year. So, yeah. not even playoffs is enough. You have to beat Michigan and go yes. to the national title game to uh justify keeping your job and hey, the talent's there with all these guys that went back and that will not be in this draft, but uh yeah, it'll be interesting. They didn't get their number one quarterback prospect though, probably Cam Ward or anything uh who who did? Who? Who? I went felt to Miami, like yeah. every single day changed between he's going to the draft and going to a new school, and then ended up going to Miami. So that that's a, hey, he made the right, right choice, I, got, I think. I mean, I, I, I think, think he so was too. a dark so horse. You know, maybe yeah. could go ahead of Penix. Maybe could you yep, know yep. sneak into the yep. uh, top seventy five. Yep. Yeah, maybe, but. Uh, Another year, I think, is going to benefit him Absolutely. more long term, and you know, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I it always felt like he was leaning more towards going back than actually coming out. Yeah, they, there's a few guys that I'm very glad went back, including Van Dyke, mm-hmm. who's at Wisconsin now. So that'll be a that'll be an interesting twofer for it me will. this upcoming year. <laughs> uh, but no, that was awesome. I'm glad. We're, I mean, we're fully in it. We're we got the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game coming up in a couple of weeks. Other All Star yeah. games as well. We got, of course, the Super Bowl. But then after that, man, it's like two weeks. Then you got the Combine. Oh man, That's then we're going pro days. We got we're in it. We're in Dane season next, right now. Next week uh we'll preview Senior Bowl with uh 
Mr. Jim oh, Nagy yeah, himself. Jim, uh, he'll yes, help us yes. kind of run through what to look Great for uh, in Mobile, and so that'll be a lot of fun. And well, yeah, it's always it's always crazy because uh, All Star Game. You know, does that change anything? And um, yeah, we, we got a lot of stuff coming up here. Get ready for some one on one clips on Twitter. So just get ready for <laughs> oh, yeah. get ready it's for coming. a lot of guys getting tossed in shorts and a five second route that that you'll never see ever on, in a game situation. But hey, we got to see some breaking ability and some body control. Right, but right. no, just get ready for it. We're in it. We're in it, and it's awesome. So thank you so much to Dane for joining me. As always on Prospects and Pros, we will be here every single Wednesday as the draft season rolls on. We'll see you guys next time. This was the Athletic Football Show's Prospects to Pros podcast.